If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Esther, to the book of Esther, the fourth chapter of the book of Esther. Now, while you're turning there, I'm going to talk to you for just a second that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon this morning. Uh, I was just sitting there thinking it. I've got some uh, very, if the Lord is to tarry, uh, and, and he takes me by the way of the grave, I've got some very specific uh, things that I want done uh, for my funeral. And I was just sitting there thinking, one of the things that I would like, if I was to die tomorrow, uh, I'd like the quartet to sing that song. And, and, and all of you can know as you sit there, uh, that just inside the gate, that I have stepped just inside the gate. Glory to God. Uh, but I'll tell you this much, I don't plan on dying tomorrow. And I believe the Lord's coming back, maybe tomorrow. So you better be ready, all right? Esther chapter 4. I'll give you just a moment longer to find Esther chapter 4. I want to read to you starting in the ninth verse. We'll finish the chapter and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. I tell you those things, that way when the time comes, you can keep Jennifer honest on my funeral plans, okay? Esther chapter 4, verse 9. And Hatch came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hatch and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade unto bade them, excuse me, let me start verse 15 over again. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. And fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning, thanking you for the good day and the many blessings, thanking you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning, to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you, Lord, for each one that's come our way. We thank you, Lord, for your sweet presence that we felt already. Thank you for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to openly gather here this morning. But we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sit him and give him. 
so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. And Lord, you knew that, but you've done it anyways. And so, Lord, my prayer is that everything that we do from this day forth glorifies you. Lord, that we constantly use our lips and our tongue to give you praise and to give you glory. And that we use our hands and our feet, Lord, as, uh, to be your hands and your feet to do your will. And Lord, that our thoughts and our mind would focus on you and you alone. So Lord, my prayer this morning, Lord, is, is that you would just move in our midst in a mighty way. You know each one of us. You know our hearts. You know our needs. You know where we fall short, Lord. There's nothing that is hidden to you. No surprises to you. And so, God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way. Lord, that you'd lift up those that need to be lifted up uh, and encourage them. Lord, those that stand in need of a touch in their bodies from you. Lord, we know you're the great physician. We know all true healing comes from you. So, Lord, that's what we ask you for. Lord, if there's any among us here this morning that is maybe just not where they ought to be, uh, maybe, maybe once they followed you and they have fallen away, Maybe they've backslidden. Maybe they've just let some things start to creep into their thoughts and their lives that doesn't belong there, doesn't glorify you. Then again, maybe they have never known you. Lord, I'm praying, I'm asking, Lord, that you'd pour out uh, your Holy Spirit. Lord, that that old-time Holy Ghost conviction would fall upon us and you wouldn't give us any peace until we'd repent. We'd turn to you, we'd get things right with you before it's everlasting too late <laughs> because we never know when that last moment when we'll draw our last breath is. And the most important thing, this side of eternity, is our walk with you, our relationship with you. So God, not only have your way in our service here this morning, but have your way in our hearts and our minds. And we'll give you all the glory. And Lord, one, I, I, I need to ask one more thing of you. I need your help. I can't preach lest you give it to me. I got nothing to say lest you give it to me. So, Lord, I'm asking, clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things that you would have me to say here tonight or this morning. Lord, my desire is for everyone to know that they have uh, not just merely hearing from me, but they're hearing your word and your message, Lord, from you through my spirit to theirs as one dying man to another. God, I'm asking for your holy unction and for your anointing, and I'll be sure and give you all the glory for it. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I like to tell the story. I like the book of Esther a lot. I like to tell the story wherever we are in Scripture, but I have finally come to the realization especially on a morning like this, that I don't have time to both tell the story and preach my message. So um, I'm hoping that I can just say a few things that might spark your interest and that you might go home and read the book of Esther or tonight or in the morning, whenever you spend time in God's Word, that you might pour through the book of Esther. I would hope that if you do, um, the first thing you would do is just... Uh, Invite God's presence in. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you and to teach you and to reveal to you. I mean, He is the author. He is the one that knows uh, what it means. He is the uh, would be the messenger uh, in so many ways um, that you would invite His presence in, and you would just start out by reading the whole thing, cover to cover. 
right? It, it, it's, I don't know how long it would take you. I guess it depends on how fast of a reader, but you can do it in less than 45 minutes. And then maybe go through after that and take some time over a, a, a week or a month or however long it takes to, to study out anywhere that God uh, perks your interest, any place that you need to dive in. But I will, in quick overview, say this about the book of Esther. First of all, the, the book of Esther is, is full of drinking, uh, sex, and murder. And now, I know that's probably not what, what you were thinking, I would say, but it is the truth. It is a book where the heroes of the book, right, are sinners. Uh, and I don't mean, you know, that casually at all, but they repeatedly uh, break their own law, right? The law of Moses multiple times, right? There's many things as good Jews that they should do and many things that they shouldn't do. And we see them doing the opposite many times of what they should be doing, right? Another interesting thing about the book of Esther is you will not find the name of God. You will not find God mentioned uh, not a single time in the entire book, but yet it's still a part of the scripture and the providence of God. In other words, God's hand in it moving things, right? So that God's will is accomplished. It can be seen throughout the entire book. And it is also a book of, uh, of, of reversals. If you were in Sunday school this morning, Jennifer mentioned, I had no idea she was going to bring that up and mention that, uh, but she had mentioned the passage of Scripture that you were working through in the book of Joshua, how the parallels in it, how there was a climax in the middle, and everything, each step along the way leading up to it was mirrored on the other side of it in reverse order. The book of Esther is in that exact same layout, that exact same form. If, if you will look at the big picture and the things that are happening in the beginning, are, there's a reversal and they are happening in the same order after chapter 6, which is the climax, uh, on the other end of it. But yet it, there's been a change, right? Uh, there are some evil, wicked people doing some things in the first half and there's some good godly things that are going on in the second half, I guess is the way to say that. But anyways, uh, uh, it is a book, as I, like I said, that is full of reversal uh, and in this particular passage that I've read to you, this is one of my favorites. And if I was only, in my intention right now, is only preach the one message out of Esther, at least any time in the near future, uh, but it's God's will, whatever he wants to happen. But if I was only going to preach on one passage, this would be it. And even though it's not quite the climax in the, in the book, it is still one uh, that stands out. Uh, and so anyways, I will just simply say this, that this particular passage, passage of scripture, it reveals to us that Esther risked everything to save her people. Everything, right? I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Uh, this, this evil, wicked man, Haman, had set a plot in motion to wipe out all of the Jewish people, right? To kill them all, and, and it mainly come out of his hatred uh, for M Mordecai, right? And so here is Esther who, after quite a series of events that is, that is told to us in the first few chapters of the book of Esther, uh, she is a Jew... Uh, but nobody knows that. It's kind of a secret, or most people don't know that. The king definitely doesn't know that. And she is, is, it comes into this place, uh, raise, rises to this place of power. She becomes 
the queen, Queen Esther. And so anyways, uh, Haman doesn't know that she is a Jew. And uh, anyways, he has this plot, this plan. And I'll say this, the king, uh, you, you know, you can look at this different ways as you go through here. I was thinking this time as I went through there, really he comes across as a drunk and a pushover. I have thought in the past that he was a bit foolish at times. But then, then at the same time, there's other perspectives that you can walk away with it about the king. Uh, but what I want to point out to you here is that uh, we see right here, as is in the passage that I've read to you, and or what Esther is getting ready to do is she's getting ready to go before the king uninvited and reveal her true identity to him. And therefore, she is risking her life. She's putting it on the line. And she is doing it in order to save her people. In an attempt to save her people. She don't even know if it'll work. It's not even her plan or her idea. It's Mordecai that brings the plan to her. And she is, I feel like she's hesitant when she throws the, kind of throws the excuse out there. Don't you know that I could be killed for doing what you're asking me to do? Right? I am putting on the line everything. I mean everything. Not only uh, every possession that she has, her, 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 her life, and even if the king was to negatively react but not execute her, still her entire identity, who she is is on the line here. But God had something in mind. And as you go through the book of Esther, and you see the events unfolding, you see God's hand at work behind the scenes. And some things that happened early on that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense, later on you see that God was orchestrating those events so that his will, or, or guiding those events, or manipulating those events, so that his will would be carried out. Now, that's just a very quick, simple overview. With that in mind, and, and, and I'll, I'll guess I'll give away the ending. It, it's, it's successful, all right? Um, but with all of that in mind, Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Here's what I think the Lord would have me to say to you this morning. I want you to stop thinking and especially saying, there's not anything I can do. What difference can I make? It's time for someone else to do it. Someone else to step up and take over. Someone else can do it better than I can. I want you to stop thinking that away and stop saying things like that. Now, uh, I may not have hit on your exact phrase, but I would be willing to, if I'm a gambling man, and I'm not because I'm I'm the preacher and I shouldn't be a gambling man, but if I was, understand the saying, what I'm saying here, I would bet every one of us has said, at least thought, but probably said something like that at some point. I know that when God called me to preach, huh, funny story, um, I, got, I didn't get saved until I was 27 years old, so I'm an adult, all right? I'm married, I've got kids, 
I get saved. I, I was not raised in church. I did not understand uh, how any of that, you know, as far as being called and all that, how any of that worked. But here's the deal. Here's the point of what I'm trying to get at. Um, is that night, the night I got saved, God calls me to preach. Now, I didn't really understand what God was calling me to do. I knew he wanted me to do something. I told Jennifer that night when we got home that God wanted me to do something special. But, you know, me and her speculated a little bit on what it was. I promise you, standing here doing this was not one of the things that we speculated on, all right? That wasn't even an idea that crossed our mind at that time. But anyways, so, and I, as time went on, I realized what God was doing. He was calling me to preach. And here, those, that list of things I said, the reason I was able to, to come up with those like that is they're all the exact things that I said, right? I said to myself, I said to God. Uh, there was, initially, there was only really about two people that I had told that knew. Jennifer was one, and then a, a, a good godly man that I was really close with at the time that I worked with, Brian Holy Cross. That was the only two people I had said anything to. And those were the things that I was saying, not only to myself, but to them and to God. I was saying, I can't do it. Someone else can do it better, right? My first thought was, is, you know, I thought about, you remember the old time switchboards where you see the switchboard operator, telephone operator, where they've got the different deals, they're plugging in different spots to connect calls and stuff like that. With that kind of in mind, I thought God had got the wires crossed somewhere, right? That was a, that was a calling, that was a call coming in for somebody besides me, right? And got plugged into the wrong spot is what happened there. And I was just telling him, hey, wrong number. That's what I was saying. I was saying, hey, Lord, wrong number, right? You know me, and you know I can't do that, so you wouldn't ask me to do that, right? You, that phone call, that call was for somebody else, and you accidentally got me. I'm, I'm here, God. I'm willing and I'm ready, but, you know, just the things that I can do. Now, am I the only person here that's ever thought or said something like that? Oh, that goes back to that betting man thing. I bet everyone here has said, right, uh, uh, has said or thought something like that before. Um, that's kind of what Esther was doing, too, in the story. Uh, that could be one take on it. Uh, I know there's a few different ways to look at this. But anyways, I want to point out to you, I want to say, stop doing that. Stop saying that. Stop thinking that. Do you know why? Took me a while to figure this out. It's not your decision to make. It's not my decision to make. Oh, you might be saying, wait a minute, preacher, it's my life. I'll decide the course of my life. Oh, come on. You really think it's your life? You really think that? Do you realize, I don't, know, I don't know this off the top of my head, but if you weren't to draw another breath, how much longer would you live? All your auctions, I, it's not long. You know, we, we'd measure it in seconds, a few minutes, right? How long, would, how long would you live if your heart quit beating right now? Do you really think that you have power or control over that? Our life is not our own. Do you know how much longer, I, I, I mentioned the things about my funeral, and I'm, I was joking, but I was serious too. 
So if I die tomorrow, that's one of the songs quartet singing it, all right? You can go ahead and tell your boss that you need that day off, all right? Mike's still off, so I don't have to tell him that, so. We don't know, right? It is completely, totally, 100% in God's hands. And you will be here drawing breath, heart beating, as long as God allows it. The way I view it from my uh, biblical perspective, my worldview, as long as God has still got something for you to, I'm talking to Christians right now, as long as God has still got something for you to do, you will be here. And then once that's done, he's got something a whole lot better in store for you. So, that whole line of, I can't do that, someone, let someone else do it, someone else can do it better. That's not my decision, and that's not your decision to make. We don't give the orders. We follow the orders, right? I mean, he is king of kings and lord of lords, right? Uh, he is the one that gives the issues the command, right? He is the one with the ultimate say in power and control. He is the one that makes the decisions. Not us, right? We don't give the orders. We follow the orders. And do you know why it's him that makes the decisions? And all that? Well, there's lots of reasons, right? But let me just give you one very practical and real quick. We don't have all the information. We don't have all of the information. I can remember, and I know I wear this example out, but I think it's a good one. I can remember so many times as my children were growing up, Right when they're little, right when when they're just getting old enough to think they can make their own decisions, right when they're just starting to get old enough to think that they might know better than mom or dad, right? I, probably my kids in my household was the only one that was like that. But anyways, uh, I can remember them questioning the instructions that I would give them, or what I would ask them to do, or what I would tell them to do. And in their mind at that time, I, they probably had what they felt like was a very good plan or idea and logical and made sense and would be better or whatever. But here's the thing. They didn't have all the information. They couldn't see the whole picture. They didn't see the big picture. Do you see what I'm saying? The, the relationship, the comparison, right, is God is our Heavenly Father. There's a reason why it's that way, right? We are His children. Look, you, you and I may think that we got it figured out and that we know best, but we don't have all the information. We couldn't even listen to me if God was even... Of a, see, that was the thing. There were so many times, right, that my kids were too young for me to even explain everything to them. And I'm not a man of great patience, so it's not like I would have spent a lot of time trying anyways. And it was just, I just made the determination, right, to, you know... You, they couldn't have handled all the information at that time if I tried to, if I tried to explain it to them. Do, do you understand? If God decided that he was going to let us see the whole picture, drop it all in our mind, we couldn't handle it. We couldn't comprehend it. It would be beyond our scope. 
our ability to even grasp. So, first of all, I want you to stop thinking that. And I want you to stop saying that. You know, it's kind of like, and then, and then there's a whole another element to all of it. There's the ramifications, right? I mean, not only can you handle it or, or not, you know, not only can we not handle it or comprehend it, but the, the big thing is, is the ramifications, right? The results of those actions, right? We couldn't even begin to, to you know, to run all those possibilities. And, and, and that's part of what it takes to make the right decision, to make a good decision. It, it's kind of like, you know, the saying, as the saying goes, that's above my pay grade. Making the decisions is above mine and your pay grade. God didn't ask us to do that. God didn't equip us to do that. God is not doing that now. We are supposed to be the ones who, we're not, we're not, we're not giving the orders. We are following the orders. Look at this right here. So many times as you go through and you study the book of Esther, there'll be places over and over. And right here is one that I read to you where Esther is questioning, right? And ultimately this plan is not Mordecai's plan. This is God's plan, right? We see his hand, his providence through it all, right? But see, here's the deal that, that Esther could not, there's no way she could have known, saw, or comprehended at this point. But God has Esther placed in just the right spot at just the right time to actually what would have happened right is she's there to stop a mass genocide of the jewish people god has esther placed right where he wants her so that later on he can use her right if you look at the book of esther uh and you look at ezra nehemiah Malachi, um, uh, Haggai, and Zechariah, right? Those are all taking place at the same period of time, right? Those that are in Bible study for a while, right? The first part of the book of Ezra has already taken place, right? And so God is putting her in place right here, right now, uh, where he wants her so that later on he can use her her to influence the king for people like Nehemiah, right, who he will then use to do God's work over in Jerusalem, right, and in rebuilding the walls over there and the things that God's doing over there, right? And God uses Esther to bring salvation to her people. And here's my thought on all this. Maybe God wants to use you. Maybe he's been, right? We go all through Esther's life, right? From the death of her parents and her being orphaned, basically, and being raised by family, and then who that family member is and their position and their influence over her. And there's so many things, right? Don't you know when she was a kid and her parents is tragically taken away from her, she's questioning God on that, right? That, a common emotion and things like that is to even get mad at God. We don't know that she did, but I'm just saying, you know, there's a whole range of things. She had. To, she was human just like you and I. She had to be asking questions like that. But yet here God is working all of this together to bring it together, right, so that he has her in the right place at the right time to use her to accomplish his will. And there's a lot of preparing along the way. Maybe he's been preparing you for just such a time as this. Maybe God wants to 
use you to bring salvation to your family. You ever thought about that before? Did you know? I mean, <laughs> me and Alan kind of briefly talked beforehand. I don't know if you paid much attention, but you look across our land and it's kind of in a mess. It's kind of is. What me and him was talking about was that, or he commented on was that uh, we usually look at other places in the world being more chaotic and a bigger mess than us, and right now it's kind of reversed in some places. Did you know? Now I'm talking godly influence. Did you know that your country needs you for such a time as this? Your church needs you for such a time as this that we found ourselves in. Right now, your family needs you for such a time as this. Listen to me. God wants to use you and me for such a time as this. And I know, I know that the hour is late, but the time is ripe. Now is the time. Now is the fullness of time. Listen to me. You have been planted. You have been cared for. And you have been prepared, right, by God for this moment in time. And, and, and each one of us have a role to play in God's plan, right? There is something for each one of us to do. And not only is there something for us to do, there is something that we must do, right? God had a plan for Esther to do here, but it was, it was not only something Esther needed to do, really it was something that Esther must do, right? This is not just busy work. It's not just something to keep us busy, right? To, to keep our idle hands active. What I'm talking about here is life and death and eternity hangs in the balance. We've got to stop looking at ourselves so much and start looking at the big picture. It's not about me and you. It's about Jesus. And it's time that we stood up, church, as Christians. It's time that we took a stand, right? And that we stood up to the devil, right? And listen to me. He's doing everything he can to steal our joy, right? To steal our peace and to steal our children. And it's time that we take a stand against him. We cannot afford to sit by the wayside any longer. Have you ever wondered... Have you ever wondered why you were born when you were born? Have you ever wondered why you were built, born when you were in the country you were and into the family that you were? Have you ever wondered why God has kept you alive all this time and why he's not let you die already the many Many times they could have. I can stand and testify both before I was serving him and after I began serving him of many times that if God had not had his hand over me, my foolishness and stupidity would have cost me my life. Have you ever thought about that just maybe God has placed you here 
for just such a time as this. So, my question is, what are you doing with this opportunity to serve God and to serve Him to the fullest? I, I want you to think quickly about this three ways, and I'm, I'm done. First of all, think about this in a, in a time frame, like moment by moment, day by day, right? What are you doing with them? Moment by moment, right? Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. What are you doing with them? Maybe you're sitting there saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with them. Well, then here is my advice as a pastor to you. Ask God. Ask him. You might be going, well, no, seriously, just ask him. Just something, say something like, Lord, why have you be allowed me to be alive at this particular hour in time? Right? I mean that like why right now. So often we like to say, and I've said it before myself, I should have been born 100 years ago. So, so often we think that. But you weren't born 100 years ago. You weren't born 50 years ago, 500 years ago, and you weren't born now or 20 years or 100 years in the future. Right? Why is it? Why, God, have you placed me in this exact moment in time? instead of some other time, or not at all. Second way I want you to think about this and look at this is, Lord, why have you led me here to Cornerstone Free Will Baptist Church? <laughs> You're not here by mistake or accident today. You might be sitting there thinking, well, I was running late and this place was close. You might be sitting there thinking, well, I just here because I've got a friend or a family member that I wanted to visit or you might be thinking I didn't know what else to do or, or you might be sitting there honestly thinking I don't know I, but I'm here right I want you to think about it in terms of, of asking the Lord why have you led me here because it wasn't by accident it wasn't by mistake it wasn't by chance it did not it might have surprised me when you walked through those doors today but it did not surprise God just as his hand was guiding Mordecai and guiding Esther and guiding that pagan king and so many others, he was guiding you as you pulled into that parking lot, got out of your car, walked through them doors and sat down in the pews today. You're not here by accident, so don't take it lightly. And listen, this is just a, a word of wisdom out of the book of Justin. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, but you can't just jump around to wherever pleases us, right? We can't do that. We can't just jump around. Oh, you see preachers do it. You see Christians do it all the time. But I want to tell you something. You can't just jump around to wherever pleases you in the moment and still be in God's will. And still have his favor. So, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do in your service here at this church at Cornerstone? And one last thing, and Jennifer can get ready to come for a song of invitation. Lord, why have you placed, right? I asked you why you were here. Now let's look a little bigger here. 
Why have you placed this local church, this congregation, Cornerstone, right? That's only God's the one that's planted and watered. Uh, you know, it, it, it's God's work. Why have you planted us in this community at this point in time? And then, God will answer that question. I know he will. And then the next question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we doing it? Are we doing it? It's not about just coming in here and, and getting, you know, hearing what we want to hear uh, and, and, and clapping our hands a few times and visiting with some folks that we like and, and, and get our ears uh, tickled a little bit, right? Uh, be entertained or whatever. That is not what it's about. It's about doing the will of God and serving Him and being His hands and feet here, reaching lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the answer to these questions, it's God's plan. That's what, whatever the answer is, that is what God's plan is for us in this specific moment. And maybe the questions that you need to reflect on, maybe you need to reflect on this before you even ask God. How committed are you to God's plans? Are you willing to risk everything for God's plans? That was the decision that Esther had to make right here. That's what was being asked of her, and that's what she had to decide. Was she willing to risk everything for God's plans? I'm asking you the same question. Are you willing to risk everything? For God's plans. Could you honestly say, as she makes the decision, right? And we see that, right? Whenever she responds, and if I perish, I perish, right? Could you say that? Could you say, and if I perish, I perish. If it costs me my life, it costs me my life. If it costs me, if it takes everything that I've got to accomplish the will of God, it takes everything I've got, then are you that committed to God and to His plan. Are you all in or not quite? Is there a, I'm trying to ask you, is there a limit to how far you would go? If God called you to be a missionary, to I don't know where the most undesirable place in the world is right now, I'd say Iran would be pretty high on the list. If God called you right now, made it clear to you, would you be willing to go? Huh, would your first response be like mine? God, you must have got the wrong number. That call wasn't meant for me. Would you give everything that you've got? Right? If he asked you to, to feed the starving, would you, would you give everything that you've got to do it? If, in other words, what I'm trying to ask you, I'm just trying to throw some examples out there. If God asked, is there a limit to how far you would go. That's what I'm trying to ask you this morning. If God asked, is there a limit? Is there a place where you would say no? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you the opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, I want you to come this morning. Don't hold back. Don't wait any longer. There may not be another opportunity. Uh, 
we may not know when we draw our last breath. We may not know. We do not know when the Lord is going to come back, right? Between now and then, we need to be about our Father's business. We need to be doing His will, right? We, so in other words, if we, you don't know what the plan is, if you don't know what His will is for you, you need to be seeking Him. You need to be asking, right? But you've got to prepare your heart, right? You've got to be willing to do it, whatever it is. So I'm begging you this morning, if the Spirit of God is dealing with you, if He's drawing you, don't you wait any longer. You come on. And maybe, maybe you're sitting back there and maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you've drifted plumb away from the Lord and, and you're not following Him and you're not one of His. I'm telling you right now, that's the first thing you got to get lined out. That's the first thing you got to get straightened out. I'm begging you, I wouldn't leave here for everything the world's got to offer without knowing that I was right with God and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if I was to draw my last breath, like I was joking about earlier today sometime, that I would go and I would to step inside the gates that I would be there in his presence for all of eternity so I'm begging you this morning if the spirit of God is dealing with you come please come